Good. How are you? I'm good. How's it going? Perfect. Always. I mean, I know that's your business, but damn. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Whenever you uh, make your move to New York, you let me know. And then you'll be like, stop wearing lip gloss and three dabs of foundation. <laughs> no, 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 no. I totally support natural makeup. Um, and truthfully, I have like a full face on right now. So um, this is not my norm, to be honest. So so good. So good. Okay. One day we're going to, you're going to do your magic on me. <laughs> oh, I got you. I got you. I can't wait for you to move to New York then. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, I just snapped again. I am like becoming a napping machine. Um, I think it's day 21 now. So, um, you know, I, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling run down sometimes. I'm feeling excited sometimes. The adrenaline's still getting me through most days, but um, three weeks out is different than two days out for sure. And, uh, and my body's feeling it more than anything. I can't even imagine like just the back-to-back -back interviews and like, you know, just like the kind of, kind of the chaos that kind of happened and sparked as soon as it kind of went live. So, uh, and I thought it would slow down by now, but it seems to actually be picking up. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <sure. laughs> oh my God. So crazy. And even just from the perspective of a viewer, you know, I'm seeing you guys all over social media. So it's kind of great. <laughs> yeah. We're everywhere and we're, and we're starting to talk more and we're starting to talk more candidly. And I think that's what a lot of people are really enjoying. I think at first we were all just waiting for the reaction of the show and, and now we're kind of being a little more vocal too and that's important. Yeah, that's good that's good I'm sure it like forces you to step out of your comfort zone. Yeah sure. definitely. Um, so welcome to the dating culture. Um, this is my podcast that I started um, last summer and similar to your story just like you're like pure frustration of just being like single early 30s and just being like why am I listening to anybody about myself kind of thing you know yeah um, and so tell us a little bit about like who you are what you do you know yeah uh, I'm a lawyer in Houston I have a pretty normal routine life I, or I did until three weeks ago although yeah. I would say it's still pretty normal and routine you know I don't leave the house much because I'm working all day and then I'm doing press in between um, I'm trying to respond to people's conversations on um, social media I'm working on some exciting projects in the background um, and all of that basically means that like, I literally don't have time to leave the house, even if I wanted to, and even if there wasn't a dire COVID situation out there, um, you know, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sedentary um, and, and homebound at this point. I walk every night. That's my one time that I get out. I'm like an auntie. I do like three mile walks. It's like my favorite part of the day. I take my dog for like a shorter walk before that. Um, and those are, those are routine days for me. So now the routine's changed a little bit, sure. Um, and includes less sleep, sure. But it's still becoming a routine in itself. Yeah, and you, those are really great like mental health check-ins, you know, I mean, we live in a world where mental health is such a priority right now. And I'm sure in the midst of the chaos with like filming and interviewing all that kind of stuff, at least you're like staying grounded. So, um, you know, I wanted to um, ask a little bit about like, you know, who Aparna is in real life versus um, who she was portrayed on the show and kind of just like give you the opportunity to like tell us a little bit about like the whole filming experience and like what it was like seeing yourself um, on Netflix essentially. Yeah. Well, I mean, in my full life, in my real life, I'm quite multifaceted, as I'm sure anyone who contributed to the show will tell you that. Like, we were all made into archetypes for a very particular purpose, to talk about arranged marriage and matchmaking in India. And I see that purpose, I do. Um, but I would say for myself and for everyone else on the show, those are very two-dimensional characters, and those are very nuanced, and um, they're very 
they're full of sound bites. I mean, if you tape me for hundreds and hundreds of hours, which they did, and then you pick the lines that you like the most and string them together into a story, you get the Aparna that was on TV. Right. Um, in real life, we, um, we speak a lot more, we contextualize a lot more, we connect a lot more, um, we have empathy and compassion, and we bounce off of um, other people that we're having these dialogues with. Um, on television, you don't see any of that because that's not television. You know, that's, that's not interesting. That's not eight 40-minute right. um, episodes um, mm -hmm. that you can binge watch. And so I understand that now. And I can see the show for what it is, which is really good entertainment that sparked a lot of important conversations. Mm -hmm. And for me, those conversations that are still going on are the most important thing that came out of this. Yeah, for sure. And how do you think that kind of like played into like the dates that you were set up on, you know, and how that was kind of portrayed out to the world? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Dates were actually all wonderful. I mean, they were about eight to 10 hours long. You guys sometimes only saw 30 seconds of that date. Um, and so there's a reason I'm friends with most of those guys still. And I still talk to them every day. Like I talked to Shaker for about an hour or two a day still. Um, and if you saw the show, it looks like we didn't have a good time or that we yeah. weren't. And, and it's funny to both of us because we're like, wow, the conversation we were having about Cuba was totally taken out of context. Like we were talking about how we both went there and really empathized with the situation there. And we were discussing ways to be more conscientious tourists when we go to places that have been sanctioned by the US. And when we go to places that are struggling with poverty and, and, and sex tourism and all of these like really sad things. And, and how could we as travelers be more um, aware of that and then contribute to the betterment of that. We were having like this really deep conversation. Yeah. Oh my God, it sounds really intense and like lovely to be quite honest. Right, right. We're both intelligent and we both really had visited this location and felt very deeply about how sad things were there and, and how difficult it was and how we went there for mojitos and, you know, cigars and at first. And then when we saw the situation there, what did it really do for us and, and how did we connect to it? Yeah. And so they took that to be like some terrible date um, where I'm mentioning sex tourism and he's cringing. And we laugh about that today because we still talk about things like that. Yesterday on the phone, he was like, you know, when, when this is over, where do you want to go? And I was telling him here because I feel like the tourism there is not like shown properly. And like, I want to bring like a voice to that area. And, and so it's interesting that he and I can still connect on that level. And yet the viewer is like, how are you two friends? That was a terrible date. And I'm like, that was like a 10 hour. And we actually went on two dates. You don't even see yeah. one of them on the show. Um, and so I'm like, well, that's not reality. The reality yeah. is, is that we really connected. Sure. We don't have firecrackers and we're not going to ever be together, but like yeah. you know, to walk away with such a great friend like that, one that I can rely on and depend on and connect yeah. to every day has just been invaluable. And I still talk to Dilip and Jay, my other two, two of my other dates, like, Sure. pretty regularly I would say daily almost yeah. um, and so these dates can't have all been that bad if we're all still in touch maybe you don't want to like be with them forever or even sure. like pursue a relationship it's still a good date sometimes yeah. you get dates with people just because they're good people and they're yeah. grounded and they're they're maybe not for us but they're just decent people do you think that kind of like changed your perspective on or like kind of changed your level of expectations with men like just meeting these three particular men no, because I've always met really decent men. I actually haven't had any horror stories of dating. Women are like, I can tell you the story once. And I'm like, no, I meet really grounded, decent men most of the time. And the dates are quite sterile in a way. Like they're 55 yeah. minutes, nothing's going. Like I say, I go to the same wine bar. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm chatting with them. I'm getting to know them. No one's ever 
ghosted me and stood me up. No one's ever done anything outrageous. Like, lucky you, sis. Lucky you. I know. I know. Everyone's <laughs> like, that's weird. I'm like, is it? Or do I just maybe pick my dates very carefully, too? Like, I won't even give them a date if I can sense that something's not going to work for me. Sure. Um, yeah. And so, I don't know. I've also dated a lot. Like, I'm in my 30s. Yeah. Like, lots of forced dates. Yeah. And so... I don't know. For me, I don't think this changed my perspective. In fact, it's the same. There's so many guys I've been on first dates with, especially a few years ago when a lot more of my friends are single, and I would set them up with my friend. I do that too, and people look at me like they're like I'm crazy. They're like, "Why do you keep pawning your men off to me?" And I'm like, "Cause I think they would be great for you." <laughs> I know they're not great for me, but I think they'll be great for you. And it's never worked out. I mean, my friends have gone on dates with them and stuff like that, and I've not had a success story. But in a way, isn't that matchmaking too? To yeah. say like, "Hey, I went out with this person for an hour or two. We had drinks. He wasn't for me, but man, when he started talking about..." X, I thought of you and I thought you might connect to him and uh, you're like a matchmaker in yourself <laughs> I would well now I have no one to matchmake all of my friends are married <laughs> I'm the only one not married so I know I feel you on that I'm like you know one of uh, actually you know what I will say I have a really like my girls in Philly we're all single and we kind of like hang out and party together and then all my girls back home are like married kids you know so I think I, have, I feel like I have like the best of both worlds right now yeah. Actually, I do have a lot of single friends too, but my South Asian friends, they're all married. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, speaking on that, I actually, you know, like my reaction to watching the entire show, I was like, whoa, this is like so spot on with the way that um, like marriage in our culture is kind of portrayed. And, you know, and, you know, honestly, if somebody was like handing me men, I would, I would be like, you know, sifting through and be like, I like this, I don't like this, I don't like that, or maybe this is like what I prefer, um, you know, and I know that you got a lot of backlash that, like for that on the show. And I was like, wait a minute, I was like, who am I to make any comments about what's going on? I was like, when I'm the one that like ha is literally in that same position, I'm literally like, well, I don't know if I like this or I'm, I'm particular about this. It's like, there's a fine line between, I feel like knowing what you want and then coming off picky. So like, tell us a little, tell, tell us a little bit about like that whole process of dealing with all that, like after the show. Yeah, so it's really interesting too to watch the show. I thought everybody only got one person at a time, but like Nadia got three guys at one point and she got to pick the order that she went on the dates even. Like, who do you want to go out with first? Who do you want to go out with second? Like, all three of them were laid out. Her family got to have input. And for some, some reason, Simo was like, you get one. Mm. You know, okay, <laughs> like, um, what if I want the other one? And she's right. like, you don't get to see the other one. Wait, that's what she had said? Right. I got the first guy, and she was like, Aparna is really picky. Uh, she oh, treats people like a menu. I'm only giving her, giving her one person at a time. And I thought everyone was like that, but turns out like Akshay and Pokemon also get hundreds from her. And I'm like, well, uh, what's going on? And so I think that what, what I've looked at afterwards and the conversation that I think my portrayal really sparked was why does a woman who, when she knows what she wants, gets, you know, smacked down for it? Yeah. Like, oh my God, absolutely. For it and supported for it. I mean, I've obviously done a lot of thinking on what would fit into my life. I've been on a lot of first dates. Why can't I share that with the person who's my matchmaker? Mm -hmm. To me also, I thought matchmaking was a service-based industry where she listened to me. It, I'm in a service-based industry and I listen to my clients and then I advise them because I'm the one with the expertise. But um, if they feel a certain way or want their case to go a certain way, I listen to them. I try to make it work in that direction for them. And I never speak about them poorly behind their back or to their face. I mm -hmm. am providing a service. Exactly. I'm in the service industry. So for me to see Seema say those things about me on television, basically behind my back, because they weren't sent to my face, um, 
was kind of hurtful because I was like, wait a second, like I was being honest with you in a very intimate process in my life, like finding my life partner. And, and then you turned around and decided to, to say some really hurtful things about me. Yeah. And that's not cool for me. And that's not the way I treat my clients. And so yeah. I would caution anyone in a service industry to not treat their clients like that. Oh, no, absolutely. And especially when you're putting a heart out there, you're putting your emotions and you're looking for love, you know, and I've had to like really defend myself in so many situations with family, with friends. Truthfully, again, like going back to like why I started this podcast was because I feel like I'm always defending myself in situations where I'm like, why can't I just ask for what it is that I think is compatible with me? You yeah. know, there's definitely learning that goes into the process of dating, self-learning as well. But um, I've had to catch myself being like, wait a minute, like, I know, I think I know, I think I know what I want, you know, and it's okay for you guys to give your input. But again, like pawning that off to a matchmaker, again, it's like the matchmaker listening to you. Sure, they can give feedback and, you know, give guidance and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, feeling betrayed by your matchmaker is, that's, I don't even know what that's like, to be honest. <laughs> And what's interesting too is that like what I'm asking for, like my actual criteria, not the criteria on the show. So what the viewer didn't see is my actual criteria to SEMO is like, I want someone who's very intelligent, like so, 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 so smart. Like that's what I put up at the top. That's just my preference. Um, someone who's engaged in things that interest them and then they share that with me. Like, so it's something I don't know nothing about hopefully and then they can share that. And then the second thing I wanted was someone who was laid back and introverted. And she was basically like so offended by that. She was like, no. And that's what you're seeing like between us in the show. If you watch it, um, I'm like, I don't want someone who's the funniest guy in the room. And she's telling me, no, you need that. And I'm like, no, but introverts also have to get married. Like someone has to marry the wallflower. Like I'm telling you, I want to marry the wallflower. Like, why is this an issue? Like, if that's my preference, right. why is that the issue? And yeah. she's like, no, you need someone who's funny like you and jolly like you. And I'm like, no. And so what you're seeing is me going back and forth trying to tell this woman that I want someone who's more chill in my, in my life. Like I'm, you know, sometimes I get a little ahead of myself and I would love someone who's like a stabilizing force in my life. Who's just like, hey, honey, like calm down. It's not that important. Like, let's sit at home tonight and watch TV instead of me being like, let's go somewhere cool. And Seema was just like, no. Yeah. Cause again, you're going back to that place of defending yourself and being like, why am I here? What am I doing this for? You know? Right. But if I was asking for like, oh, he has to be five, five eleven, and he has to be super handsome. I want him to look like, you know, Abhishek Bachchan. Like, okay. Then I could be like, Seema, like, that's not important for marriage. Like she does say that at some point, like, but that's just not important for like your life. But if I'm saying like, these are very categorically like, things I've thought about and mulled over. I've dated the extroverted men. I've not liked that. It's not suited me. Like if I'm backing it up also with like data and like very like calm, rational stuff, then like listen to me. Like if I'm being like crazy, like talking about, I don't know, like some people were talking about skin color and looks and height and all those things. You never want to hear me mention that. I'm not like, oh, can you be like 5'10 or like, I'm like, hey, he can be any height. I'm 5'3". I'd prefer if he was a little taller than me, but like, yeah, yeah. you know, can he, can he be these two things, intelligent and laid back? And so they threw in my comments on Bolivia Salt Flats and like all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Everyone's so hell bent on me being like, how have you grown? And I'm like, I still want the same things. Yeah. <laughs> intelligent and laid back. Like, that's kind and sweet and smart. And that's like really yeah. not that big of a deal. And you know what? If they're funny, cool. But like your priorities are, you know, in a different place and you prefer those over the other and those are all like personality traits that 
you know, you just desire more than somebody that can make you laugh. And I completely respect that. And I understand that. And I love that you were vocal about that as well. Yeah. Um, it comes off kind of strange when you edit it. People are very offended that I hate comedy, apparently. And I'm like, I hate bad comedy and I hate it in my home. I'm going to pay money um, no matter what to go to like comedy yeah. seller or a good stand-up show or like I'm going to pay a professional and watch that professional. I don't need it in my house. Yeah, it's a com it's a comfort thing for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, switching gears a little bit, I want to talk about kind of like, you know, your upbringing and like growing up and kind of like what that was like. And truthfully, like, I mean, being a, you know, first generation, you know, daughter of immigrants, um, you know, what was it like trying to figure out what your definition of love was or what your definition of dating was? Mm -hmm. Well, I am the immigrant. I moved to this country when I was seven or eight. Mm -hmm. And so um, for me, it was... Um, I think it's, this, it's the same for everyone. We are trying to navigate certain things that we all have in common. One, that we are South Asian. Mm -hmm. Two, that we are in schools full of non-South Asians here in the U.S. and we are seeing different cultures date and um, define love uh, at a very young age. By like fourth, fifth, sixth grade, people have their boyfriends and their girlfriends and what does that mean? And what does that mean as a South Asian watching um, other South Asians in the school act a certain way versus the other cultures in the school that are represented. And also the other factor, what does your family tell you? So my mom was always really relaxed about it and was like, you know, find your own way, find your own thing that makes you happy. Obviously focus on school and like, don't get too wrapped up in boyfriends and girlfriends and all those mm -hmm. things. But like, she was never one to be like, you must be 30 when you get married or 21 when you find your boyfriend. It was just like, live your life, do your best, like, but focus on your education, because that's going to get you the furthest, um, and, and I guess, like, I was very fortunate, I didn't realize I was so fortunate, um, but I was, I was very privileged to, like, you know, have that kind of, um, I don't know, upbringing, when I went to go study abroad three times, did they agree with me that I needed to study abroad for three semesters, no, did I do it anyway, yeah, like, you know, there's so many things that maybe they didn't think were the best ideas, but I was like, I'm doing it, yeah. I've always been someone who's like, I'm doing it. So yeah. like I went on the show, I'm doing it. Like I'm trying new things, I'm doing it. And so they let me do it. And that's the yeah. biggest gift any family could give you. Yeah, that's amazing. And it seems like you've always been the type of person that's like, listen, I know what I want. This is what I want to do. This is how it's going to go down. I personally, you know, being the middle child, I've always like vocalized like me wanting to like do other things and like expressing it, but I never had like the confidence. I, I wish at a younger age, I was more like that, you know, where I was just like, mom, this is just what's going to happen. Um, I was just like a little bit of a scaredy cat, but I personally think my mom kind of sheltered me in that way because of her own fears. Right. Exactly. Um, and like speaking of speaking of moms, um, tell us a little about your relationship with your mom. I feel like it's like so special and like because especially like her being so like progressive in that way of just being like do what you want, you know, enjoy your life, you know, date whoever you want. Yeah, she's amazing. I mean, she's just um, such a stabilizing force in my sister and my life. She's just always been one to encourage us to do whatever we wanted. So my sister and I are totally opposite. So in a way, she had to raise two separate children in two different ways. My sister is very like outdoorsy and very like um, academically focused. Like she's still getting her PhD and like she got her master's and like, she's just like, very different than me. She's not like one to ever wear makeup or like, you know, care about this thing. She got married in her twenties. She's happily married. She's like that woman who loves to spend time with her husband. The one I'm talking about on the show about how do you have to spend time with your husband all the time? Because I don't want to. It's because my sister and her husband love spending time with each other. They adore it. They want to do it every day, every minute of the day. If she doesn't get to spend quality time with them every night, she's like bummed about it. Oh my and God. I'm so glad that you said that because 
when I was, wa I was just watching the episode earlier and I'm like, wait a minute. I was like, did you really say that? And so I'm so glad that you cleared that up because I was yeah. like, yeah, I would literally go nuts if I was like spending time with my, like if I, well, I'm not, I don't have a boyfriend, but if I had yeah. a boyfriend, I'd be like, get out of my face. I need my time. Like just a bit of time. Like, can I have my girls night? Can you have your guys night? Can we be in the same house? And maybe can I watch my like really trashy TV alone in my room and eat popcorn on the bed? You know, like yeah, sometimes yeah. for me, I just need that space. And that's a personality yeah. preference. My sister doesn't need that. Like, yeah. and some couples don't need that. Like they love that time together. It's their priority. And for me, I would rather, like I said in the show, I would rather not. Yeah. I would rather not. And, and whoever I'm with, ex ex you know, feels the same way because um, I can't do it. I can't also give up my friendships. Like I, my sister will like not talk to some of her friends for weeks. And like, I'm like, I can't do that. Like, I love my friendships with other women. They support me. They uplift me. They empower me. Like for me, that's always been a big part of my life. And for my sister, it hasn't. And yeah. so we're different people. All of us are different people. I mean, she and I are stark different Sure. Sure. but yeah. I love that she also loves her husband it's just that I also love that I know it's not for me yeah no no no, no. absolutely and I totally am one of those people that's like you know I was just mentioning this to a friend the other day I'm like I'm, I'm just the type of person that like likes to balance all of my relationships mm -hmm. um and co uh, my relationship with my career falls in that as well so relationship with friends family career all of that I feel like I really try your to health your well-being that's a that's relationship you're having with yourself oh absolutely and so yeah. yeah I mean if you think about it a relationship with a partner is like one out of five of those you know what I mean <laughs> exactly um, and, and everyone prioritizes and gives things differently like some people work out two hours a day some people meditate an hour a day that's time away from all the other categories like so people are divvying up their days in their categories and like for me my husband might not be a big as big a category as my sister makes her husband mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely and to each his own, honestly, everybody operates differently. So um, again, it's one of those things where you just know what you want and that's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> I, with it. I have to be at this point. Yeah, and so, I mean, like, I'm sure you started, you know, dating at a normal age and like, what are things that like, what are things that you feel like you've had to learn kind of like more into your adulthood dating years, I guess you could say? I think it's that thing I talk about on the show, likability. Like I don't, right now in my thirties, I don't really care if someone rejects me or doesn't want to be with me. And that's their preference. And I actually respect that. And if they can tell me that quite off the bat and be like, Hey, I don't think we're a good fit, like relationship wise. I'd be like, well, I understand. Cause when we're younger, women are taught be likable to every man. Yeah. Make sure every guy, the more guys that like you, the better. Oh, and I'm like, no, it's not about numbers. It's about quality. I want one guy in this world to like me. I don't want thousands of men to fawn over me. In fact, I would not know what to do with that. I want one person. And so I think when you're younger, you're not taught to be yourself and be authentically you for that one right person. You're taught be appealing um, by 10, 10 years old, 12 years old, be appealing to all the men, mm -hmm. every single one. Yeah. Be thin enough for all of them, be pretty enough, be giggly enough, be sweet enough, be humble enough, be all of the enoughs for these men to all like you. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if I could go back and tell myself in my twenties, like not every man has to like you, yeah. then I think I would have been much happier. And yeah. I'm very glad I found it in my thirties. Yeah. Which I would have found it much earlier then. Oh my God. Absolutely. I mean, even like looking back, like my 20, like starting from like 18 all the way until like literally now, 
I've had to unlearn literally the way dating has been portrayed culturally and then the way my parents make like their marriage and then you know the way my mom like woman to woman like daughter to mother to daughter type of you know connection when it comes to dating there's so many different layers to understanding how we are when it comes to dating and like love is the most vulnerable parts of our heart you know and like to like surrender and like give you know all that 110 percent attention to that and like you know, understand that it has to be broken down and you have to work through it from a mental health perspective. I always tell people, I always encourage people to go to therapy during dating too, because that's really important to like understand why you feel rejection, why you feel this, why you feel that. So I think it's beautiful that you have kind of done your homework and you have, you now know what you want and um, yeah. it's very commendable, honestly. I mean, you're still going to be disappointed, right? If you okay. really <laughs> and they're like, hey, I don't like you. You're not like a robot. You're not like, hey, good, that's cool. Like academically speaking, I see your rationale. You're still like, ooh, like I really just did get, you know, turned down. And then I think about all the men that I turned down. And I'm like, well, you did it too. So this guy has the right to do it. And like he has a, a right to stand up for himself and to say, um, this, is, this is not what I want. Yeah. And, and a lot of times you're not going to be what people want. And that's okay. Yeah, and also receiving that and or saying it to somebody and, and interpreting their reaction is a huge thing too. Because if they react poorly, you're like, okay, I really probably shouldn't have been with you anyway. <laughs> right, right that's, that's And I'm also very honest. I take it the same way. I don't ghost people and just fizzle it out. If the date didn't go well and they text me and like, hey, do you want to see me again? I'm mm -hmm. saying, you know, honestly, I really did have a good time. I think that you're great for X, Y, and Z reasons. I just don't think we're a good fit. Communication is so important. So and it's one text, it's not like, why don't you just tell the person? And I always make sure to tell them what I did love about them. Because like you said, like, you know, um, it's not so black and white, like, we, or like I said, actually, like these men that I went on dates with them, friends with today, it's not that I didn't like them as people. Mm -hmm. It's that I didn't like them from my life partner. And sure. that is a very specific thing I'm looking for. And so just, just because they're not my life partner doesn't mean that they're not damn decent people yeah and it's a very serious like thinking about a long-term partnership whether it's you know a relationship that's going to be going on for the next 10 years or marriage it's like a really that's a whole different step and a whole different mentality that you're jumping into right. um, versus like casual dating so um respect i love that um you know and so you know switching gears again um you're, you're basically like, okay, I'm not going to be picky with like height and like skin color and all that kind of stuff. Like seeing that kind of stuff on the show, like how did you, re how did you react internally? We are all allowed to express to our matchmaker our preferences mm -hmm. and whether I agree with those people's preferences or not is actually none of my business. They're looking for their life partners and if they're basing it on things that I don't think they should be basing it on, then that's just my opinion and I can keep it to myself. Mm -hmm. I also knew and now know better about all shows that they are very carefully crafted um, and they are not indicative of any reality or truth. Um, I don't even know why they're called reality TV. There's very little reality to it and that's okay. But we have to be better consumers of media and we have to consider what we're watching. Um, to me, it's most surprising that people are so invested in me. Um, I mean, so many people are writing me these very mean sometimes and also sometimes very, um, passionate emails about me being a lawyer and why don't I like it and I just think that's so funny like who cares if I like my job or not and who are we to say that everyone in this world has to love their job why is that an expectation we have to put on anyone that's not even fair to them I went to the top schools in America I paid a lot of money I invested a lot into my career and I'm still trying to figure out if there's a space in the legal field that I can enjoy so I switch jobs I switch career like practice areas I switch firms I'm trying different things that's my prerogative like yeah. I don't have to love 
my job. I love my side business. I love my family. I love my friends. I love my well-being and my health and my growth. Like if we can even love one of our categories, that's it. Pour your love into that. Like you don't have to love every part of your life. And people are being so judgmental about that. And it's shocking to me. Like it doesn't even bother me on like a deep level. It kind of just brings to light this media consumption idea that like people are grabbing onto one thing they saw on there and wanting to impress their views on my life based on that. And I'm like, that's wonderful if they're so happy with their job that they wake up skipping into work on Mondays. That's (laughs) not me. And I'm okay with that. So like, let me be okay with that. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, and that's beautiful. I love um, that you are, again, back to the confidence thing. Like, you know exactly how you operate, what you want, what you're looking for. And, you know, I think like also just speaking on that, you know, I personally think that like, when we all have kids, specifically this generation, we're gonna be breaking all those norms anyway. Like we're literally like, it's blown up so much on social media, like colorism, sexism, Mm -hmm. um, like height discrimination, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I really think that like, they're like, it's all going to shift. You know what I mean? Like I would, it's our job to to do that. It is our job. It really is our job, you know, because when we think about like the way our parents think or, you know, older generations, like that was then that was like what their prerogative was. That was like their intention, yada, yada. Right. Um, for us, it's slightly different and you know, it's, it's going to change. And like you said, it is our job. And what they did, which is interesting, and a lot of women and I have been talking about this, is that they raised this generation, our generation of women, to be strong and and career-driven and to have dreams that are bigger than, you know, staying at home. And I think that they forgot a very important part to also train and teach their men, the boys, the brothers, the cousins, the friends, that, hey, we're raising the women this way, and you should be their supporters. You should be their cheerleaders. You should be propping them up and encouraging them and, you know, lifting them to a high higher, higher places. And they forgot that they just focused on the little girls. There was this movement that was like, make your little girl strong and powerful. And I'm like, you should have taught the boys. Yeah. You, you forgot you the boys too. Exactly. You forgot to tell them, you forgot to give them the memo that we are teaching our girls to be like this. So you now go be their cheerleaders and you go support them and you stand by them and you protect the uh, people, protect them from the, not even protect them, but protect the notion that they are as strong as their male counterparts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's so important. And like I said, like it's I, I think we're doing such a wonderful job now of like shifting the narrative completely. Um, mm-hmm. And I just feel like you know our generation, the future generation of kids, are going to be like smart. They're going to be sharp. They're going to, you know, they're going to understand these concepts at such a young age too. You know, they're not going to have to do um, well. They'll have to do their fair share of unlearning, I'm sure. But like when right. it comes to empowerment and, and supporting and them. empathy and teaching right. them empathy at a very young age that that's the most important and teaching them about openness and, and tolerance like my friends who have young kids like they they'll ask them to stand up and say their pronouns in classes and they'll nobody thinks it's weird if you have two mommies or two daddies it's just like you have parents now and your parents can be any gender right. um, and so I think that there's just such important things that four-year-olds are learning nowadays that like we never even had a chance to comprehend into our teens and our 20s mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm, I'm so excited to see what that, that generation is going to be like. Um, talking about children, um, if you had a son or a daughter, what dating advice would you give them? So every astrologer I've ever been to has said I'm having twin boys, including oh. one on the show. Uh, <laughs> I've been to three, and they all look at my chart, and they're like, hmm, twin boys, mm, you're not going to want that. And I'm like, God. Wow, how do you all say the same thing? Um, I don't know if I believe in astrology and if I do ever have kids. I would love to have kids. And if I do and 
I was there at the ultrasound and they were like, you're having one baby girl. I would be thrilled. Um, like if I have a happy, healthy child, I'm thrilled. Yeah. But literally they're like, you are having twin boys. So like, okay. <laughs> and so what would I teach them? You know, what's interesting. I thought about it about boys. And that was the conversation we were just having about like, how do you raise men nowadays? Um, I would teach them to be human beings instead of being a boy or a girl. Like how, how do you express your emotions? You cry, you scream, you communicate. Um, what do you play with? Anything that interests you, a doll or a Legos or a train? Um, you know, is there anything you need to be good or bad at? No, you can be great at theater and bad at football. Um, I think that there's something to be said about kind of taking away those gendered roles. And then how does that lead to them dating one day? If I can raise them at a young age to be like that, they will be wonderful men to date one day. They will be um, kind. They will be, like I said, cheerleaders of women and the equality that they deserve. And hopefully that's just the norm at that point. And it's not something they'll have to champion or, or protest or anything <laughs> like that. But um, I want them to be those guys, the ones that were raised by a really strong woman who told them to be whatever they wanted to be. Um, but to be that with tolerance and empathy and respect. And then they will be very good partners for whatever, whoever they end up with, a, another man or a woman, it doesn't matter who they end up with, but for their partner, they will be a good partner one day. I love that. And honestly, like the more conversations I'm having like this with my girlfriends as I'm getting older, this is literally like the same answers I'm getting. You know, we're all about normalizing so much of this. So, um, you know, I think that's a beautiful way to approach that. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll see your twin boys maybe in the future, you know. Um, Check back in a few years, apparently. It'd be funny, a timeline. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I know. Well, um, I'm just going to wrap this up. Um, this was really lovely. Thank you so much for being on. And, you know, again, if you're moving to New York, I would be hyped to do your makeup. Thank you so much again. Um, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Yes, and we'll talk soon. Yes. Okay. Bye. Bye.